hey, Jamie, it's only your second episode. We've got ourselves a nice uh, little new sponsor on the show. Oh, look at that, Ryan. We certainly do. It's Marvel Strike Force. You know me, guys. I love me some Marvel Strike Force. I was literally playing it uh, about half an hour ago, and Ron Richards, who sits right near me, was like, how's your game going? Saying it all condescendingly, and I was like, it's going great. I just beat up Daredevil. I had a great time. I have, as the kids say, a swole squad. Oh. They're super beefy. They're wonderful. The Defenders and Ultimus. That's my team. Well, that is pretty cool. Well, you can also assemble your squad using Marvel characters like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Loki, Venom, Electra, Captain America, and Iron Man. Lots of cool gameplay cinematics. Your heroes have these cool chain moves. Team-ups like Iron Man and Cap, they have this great move. It's a lot of fun. Where do you get this game, James? This is a mobile game that you can get in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can download it now for free. Marvel Strike Force, heroes only. Marvelites, welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 338. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Jamie Frevely. Yeah. How are you? You survived. I did! Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We're here. Back again. We are back again. Yep. Uh, we've got a bunch of tweets and stuff later on in the show, talking about your arrival, talking about Tucker's huge departure. He uh, went out throwing chairs, kicking and screaming. T- flipping tables. Yep. How does it feel to sit back to back, literally back to back, with Tucker Marcus here at the office. Oh, it's a pleasure. He's a huge help since I've started here. He knows his stuff. He's a he's a charming young man. There's tons of stuff going on right now. We're, we're recording this. I'm going to go on vacation real soon, which is a bummer because I'm going to miss our biggest news of the week. What is that, Jamie? Oh, our biggest news of the week is the red carpet world premiere of Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War. Movie's coming out next week. April 27th. April 27th. And the red carpet premiere is live Monday, April 23rd. You can visit us at marvel.com slash infinity war premiere. And you can also see it on Marvel's Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. This is something 10 years in the making, 18 movies. I am bummed that I won't be there or be able to participate. But I got a wedding, y'all. I'm running a half marathon the day before. I've got stuff going on. That is amazing. I I am in deep admiration of your half marathon. The wedding I'm psyched about on the level that (laughs) someone who is romantically tone deaf can be psyched. Fair. So I will report back after that. uh, And I can't wait to watch the world premiere of Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War. Again, that URL is marvel.com slash infinity war premiere, where you find it all on the socials. It's going to be a hoot. Oh, and our interview this week is with Mr. Andrew WK. I was trying to say it like he does. Andrew WK. That's close enough. He's the best. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show. I do want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Brian Stranko. I've been talking to him a little bit separately. He's actually been one of our listeners who started from the beginning, from episode one Aww. about a month or two ago, and has been going through and listening. It's been really interesting because Brian would then, like when Women of Marvel started, he started listening to that. And so he's gone on all these things. He's He's been on this journey, uh, and he's going through something, and I've, I've been talking to him separately. So, Brian, we're keeping you in our thoughts. By the time you listen to this, well, you may listen to it sooner than initially expected. So 
Feel better, bud. We're, we're thinking of you. Um, but yeah, a lot of big stuff. What is this, week three, two and a half for you now, Jamie? Yeah, well, I was sitting mysteriously in silence in the first right. podcast that I observed. Yep. Um, and then last week I was on mic, and this week I'm fully on mic. How you feeling? So. I feel good. Yeah. I think we ha- there are so many exciting things happening here. There are si- exciting things happening with Marvel.com. It's a good time to be alive, as the kids say. <laughs> it is a good time to be alive. And there's so many good comics out this week. We talked about a ton of them on Marvel's The Pullist with me and Tucker. You can hear about all that. Also, me and Tucker start getting into his weird milk thing. I don't know if you guys, evil producer Brandon and Jamie, I don't know if you're privy to Tucker's weird milk business? No, I only knew about Matthew Rosenberg's chocolate milk preference, but it seems like there is a lot of milk discussion going on. Yeah, milk is high on people's minds these days. It's real weird. Make sure you listen to uh, Marvel's The Pull List to get all your milk talk for the week. But there are three books that we are going to talk about in depth on this show. I've got two picks. You've got one. You know what? I'm going to go first and third. I'm going to let you have the middle slot. Uh, first up is Infinity Countdown number two. Oh my gosh, I am so excited for this book. I, I gotta be honest, I love Jerry Duggan. He's a friend of mine. I spent a lot of time with him, talked with him. Uh, he's told me his thoughts of and, and ideas for his stories over the years. And it's always like big, crazy, wild stuff. And then to see those things come to fruition is so rewarding. And luckily, Jerry is joined by pencilers Aaron Cooter and Mike Hawthorne, inkers Aaron Cooter and Terry Pallet, colors by the mighty Jordi Belair, lettering by Corey Petit. And there's also, as we saw in the first issue of Infinity Countdown, a Forging the Armor page by artist Mike Diodato Jr., and Frank Martin. And so this is this is just the big summer blockbuster comic for us. And you've got all these different pieces where everybody's looking for the stones. It's a countdown. Countdown to what? We'll find out. But we're looking for the Infinity Stones. There's a battle going on on Telefarina with the... They're not really the Guardians of the Galaxy anymore. They sort of broke up, but they're still there. They're together. They're facing this giant floral colossus named Scar, which think of Groot but really mean and Godzilla-sized. That's what Scar is. He's super cool. Those pages are just beautiful by Aaron Cooter and Jordi Belair. Then there's the other battle going on on Zituang, which has Drax and Commander Eve Bakian versus the Raptors versus the Chitari. It's a three-way battle, and it just gets crazy, crazy, crazy. You also have an Adam Warlock story. Those are the pages drawn by Mike Hawthorne. He meets up with Ultron on a planet safe. So there's so much going on in this story, but it feels so fast. You hear that? That's some snaps. There's so many things happening. Jerry has a great way of writing these big, massive action scenes but then populating them with emotional beats, with huge bouts of humor that aren't necessarily funny all the time uh, either. Like this one here. I'm showing this to you, Jamie. This is Scar vomiting up rainbow flowers, essentially, because he's basically been sort of poisoned on the inside by one Groot, who now talks like a normal person. I noticed that. I wasn't sure if that was something that I missed along the way, but I'm seeing talking Groot saying words. So Groot used to talk like a normal talker, you know, put the words in front of each other in a normal sentence, not I am Groot all the time. Then he, there's a little bit of a shift. He did the I am Groot thing. In the movies, that became very popular. I am Groot, and obviously it's all about the inflection. You can understand, or the, the characters understand what he's saying. 
But this has this story has brought him back to the way he spoke previously. Uh, and he's he's super funny. Now that you understand what he's saying as a reader, he's just rambunctious and excited and ready to fight. He's a bit randy and it's great. He goes in and he causes Scar to vomit up these rainbow flowers and he gets out and he's like, Groot is victorious just as Groot foretold. And he's still, you know, kind of uh, out there, let's say. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. The, the Guardians then Realize that, okay, this battle's done, but the war is not over. I got to say, though, the most badass character in comics right now might be Eve Bakian. She's the Nova Corsman who, she's fighting a massive battle alongside Drax. Uh, she's protecting the Power Stones. It's a huge thing. And also, she's in labor while she's doing it. She's not just pregnant anymore. She is actually in labor. I don't know the, like, the reality of that because... From all I understand about labor, it is very difficult. It hurts uh, a little, I hear. Yeah, I mean, right? I have not personally gone through Me it. Neither. But from many years of watching the TV. Mm-hmm. And I, the TV and doesn't the, lie. The TV doesn't lie. Yep. I understand that um, it hurts quite a bit. Yeah. But so she's like gun in hand, dealing with a baby, doing its thing, helping out Drax, who's kind of a wild man. You've got massive creatures. You've got, uh, you know, the Chitari and the raptors. Everybody's trying to kill everybody else. And she's in the middle of it trying to bring a life into the world. It's, it's again, like I was saying, Jerry has this wonderful way of bringing like the drama, the emotional beats and the humor, because this is kind of funny. Uh, at the same time, it's this darkly funny stuff that Jerry does so well in the mix of all these big action scenes. Yeah, it kind of strikes me that Eve may be a workaholic or maybe she's just bored being in labor. She's trying to distract (laughs) herself from the pain. She's trying to get things moving along to make it go faster. It could be a lot of things, but very accomplished. Very accomplished. Very accomplished, pregnant, soon-to-be-not-pregnant lady, (laughs) soon-to-be mother. It's so fun. There's tons of big moments in here. It feels just the way a big summer blockbuster comic should. Plus, we got Adam Warlock and Ultron. I love this series. Cool. This week's my pick is Tales of Suspense featuring Hawkeye and Winter Soldier. It's number 104. And this was written by our friend of the show, Matthew Rosenberg. Mm -hmm. And it is the culmination of the bromance slash road trip of Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. And it's been really funny. I went back and checked out everything that led to this point, because I like context, so I had to go back and see. I will say, though, that, that the the recap page that you have open is so good. It's so <laughs> solid of, like, catching you up. If this is your first issue, you get a sense, and you yes. may be like, wait, what? Okay, you go in, like, where's the bear? What's yeah. going on? What, a bear? Yeah. <laughs> Which, the bear, the bear's great. Yeah. I really love the bear who speaks Russian, swears in Russian. Ursa Major, she's a he- he, I believe. Struck me as a he. Yeah. That was, it seemed like a boy bear to me. Fair. Love yeah. boy bears. Yeah. Who doesn't love boy bears? <laughs> so this is a very fun example of a violent buddy comedy that has kind of supernatural em- elements, like scary, creepy elements, like they're chasing the dead girl, but is she dead? It's, there's the suspense. And we've got Natasha with a room full of killer ballerinas, which is super cool. One of the things that I love that Matt does so well is write natural, convincing, and, and like, relatable dialogue. Yes. So, you know, Hawkeye is more the, the POV character of the two, and, and he opens up the door and he sees all these ballerinas like, 
Oh, what's this? I, and he's, I think he he says at one point, "Oh, so I'm dead, and this is a night. This yeah. is this is hell, or something to that effect." And I was just like, "Yep, that that is a real reaction." Yeah, th- I loved Hawkeye in this. I just loved every word that came out of his mouth, and it just because it was just very relatable. And yeah. then you know, Bucky is forever perturbed at Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, their banter back and forth, like what you were saying, it's like really this very funny. violent buddy comedy where they're. They kind of don't like each other, but they kind of do at the same time. And at the same time, they're also both exes of Natasha, which I think makes it it heightens them to me. It's like, oh, they've reached a different level of maturity than a lot of people I know. Yeah. And they also, I guess they realize they work well together. And they, if they can't really get along, they at least can accomplish what they need to accomplish together. And that is... Um, meeting up with Natasha, who does turn out to be alive, albeit there's a catch in a very Venture Brothers-style twist. There's a moment where we actually find out where Natasha came from, and we'll just say that there's a catch to Natasha's return. Yeah. That if you've watched the Venture Brothers, you will probably laugh out loud. It makes me want to ask Matthew if he's seen that episode. Yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, like thinking about classic Hydra, S.H.I.E.L.D., LMD, Nick Fury, Spy, those old school stories, Steranko stuff. It it riffs on on that kind of thing really, really well. Seeing Natasha around a group of little tiny girls in ballerina costumes was kind of unnatural for me to see, but I liked it because there's always an explanation with Natasha. And Maybe she looks uncomfortable, but it's because she's, you know, training a bunch of killers. <laughs> she's training these little these little ballerinas to be uh, cold-blooded assassins who manipulate people. <laughs> and so it does kind of, like, make sense. And there are honestly a lot of girls who are sociopaths who would be great black widows <laughs> in their future. Are you just thinking back to your childhood? I'm totally thinking about okay. my childhood. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll move on from that. I got to give major props to the art team here. Yes. Travel Foreman, the penciler, inker, Rochelle Rosenberg, who is the colorist, and then the letterer, Clayton Cowles. Travel, I mean, I've been talking about him for years, about how how incredible his work is. He He somehow remains tight in his pencils, but also loose at the same time. If that makes sense, especially when you look at all the pieces of a costume like Winter Soldiers. He's got the arm, he's got all the 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 pouches and the doohickeys and the buckles and stuff on his vest, but he's able to like let the movements and the reactions feel natural and feel like like the page is moving. It's it's he's a spectacular artist. I agree. It like reading this is like watching a very fun action show or action scene in a movie. It just, it really, it's one of these comics that I feel like I finished in about 10 minutes because it just goes so fast. And I dig that about comics. Yeah. And um, the story ends with explosions, bears yelling at cars, heartfelt letters burning on the ground, and some intriguing teases of what's to come. Uh, This was one of my favorite limited series of the last few years. I I hope you have been uh, reading it. And if you haven't, you should pick it up. It's it's tremendous. I liked Matthew's note at the end, his mm. mails of suspense about what he said when um, Nick Spencer said he was going to kill off Natasha <laughs> and then said, but you can save her. <laughs> like, there's something kind of 
that gets me right in my heart yep. for, with that. And, totally. Because anything can happen in comics, and Matthew made it happen. All right. One more comic for us to talk about this week, and that is Ms. Marvel number 29. Super fun. Super fun, and which got me in trouble a little bit. So I read this issue over the weekend, maybe, and I finished it. And I was so excited. I loved it. And there's a little letter in the back from editor and uh, Ms. Marvel co-creator, Sana Amanet, and she had put in there how... She was excited for readers to check out the issue because she'd been tweeting about it and gushing about it. So I was like, oh, she's been tweeting about it. It must be totally fine. And I tweeted to G. Willow Wilson, who is the writer, and to Sana that, uh, oh, my God, like, the smooching issue was so good. And the two of them were like, oh, my God, Ryan, shut (laughs) up. Spoilers. I was like, oh, I I didn't realize that we weren't talking about the smooch because the smooch is all is like that's the core of this issue. Um, it's the crux. It's, yeah, it's mm. it's what everything hangs <laughs> upon. And so then I got them yelling at me. Uh, I've got fans freaking out because they would just read it tangentially. Oh, what have you done, Ryan? But more so, it wasn't even that. They were just like, "Wait a minute, who's she smooching?" And that that was great because that's like the mystery. She could smooch numerous people. There's there's different things in here, and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. But the art in this issue by Nico Leone. Ian Herring and lettering by Joe Caramagna, our buddy. Also, as I talked about on Marvel's The Pullist, this has one of my favorite covers of the week by Valerio Schiti and Rochelle Rosenberg. It's got that Archie Comics oh, vibe. That's yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. And yeah. it's just so adorable and sweet to look at. Like sometimes <laughs> this is exactly what you need. It's just yeah. something cute and pleasant and happy and hopeful and a little old fashioned, but yet very modern and Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so this book actually has our second labor slash birth of the week. It's all about babies. All about them babies. babies. It's springtime. That means babies just falling from the sky. Yeah, not that you know it from going outside. Yeah. But. This uh, this issue, the, the creative team gels so hard. Nico has been on the book now for a little while with Willow and like – they are clicking so well. They're in lockstep. It's it's so fun. There's like the positive vibes of the birth and and that feeling of things being so good just comes across on the page. Like they're practically walking on air. You get that from some of the things that are going on with Kamala. And she has this, there's this wonderful page where she's swinging around. She's in Jersey City. She's back in her costume. She's so excited to be an aunt. She's smiling. It's happy. It feels so good. And then- Boom, only to have it flipped by a character returning in the book. Woof, woof, woof. It's it's great. There's the first smooch, that bit of business, which, you know, happens. And we don't get enough, <laughs> like, we get that moment. And it's so good. And it just feels so real. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's very genuine. And I, I loved her dialogue. And I loved her internal dialogue, too. And it was... Like nostalgic, just as a lady, as a <laughs> as a lady who was once a girl, I loved reading this because it made me think about being a teenager and having all those romantic feelings that have since died. <laughs> but this is a really hopeful issue, yeah. and that's really you know when you've been reading a lot of dark stuff, maybe you've been pounding down heavy on the Punisher or like something else. That's pounding really heavy. down heavy on the Punisher. Can we pull that out? I want that like on repeat somewhere. <laughs> Pounding down heavy. On I mean, the I don't Punisher. know if there's any other way to read Punisher other yeah, than. I just want to pound down heavy on the Punisher. You want to pound down some Punisher when you're in a bad mood. But yeah, sometimes you want something that's a little lighter and you don't want something that's quite as gritty or dirty as Deadpool. But this is just like the perfect. This is like going to Starbucks and getting a unicorn latte, <laughs> but not one that's too sweet. Like maybe just a caramel latte, yes. like but- something nice and smooth and sweet. 
we also have so much teen melodrama, right? Yes. Like, like that, you, you've got all the hope, but you've got the the the, the, the angst and the melodrama and the relationship stuff and the friendship stuff. It's so wonderful. Before we dip out and go past it, there's this sequence that happens within Newark International Airport. And the way Nico and uh, Ian Herring put it together, you can almost smell it. Mm -hmm. Like the sadness <laughs> and the desperation of being in an airport. There's people sleeping. There's tents. I mean, it feels like that airport f like vibe. And it's desperation. It's sad. I so, love it. It's so good. Down to like these, all these phones being and iPads and computers plugged into yeah. like one outlet, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those little touches that uh, remind me that Nico is just is getting better and better all the time. Oh, did you see this evil cat? What? There's no such thing as an evil cat. What are we talking I've, about? I don't know, Ryan. I've met some evil cats. But here, look. Oh, look. The, the cat is stuck at Newark Airport. I guess we can sympathize with the cat. Yeah. You know, it's stuck in a cage at the airport in Jersey of all places. Yeah, I guess I guess really what the cat's trying to say is you are all me right now. Yeah, we are all doomed. <laughs> this is hell for all of us. Anyway, I'm not a religious person, but I enjoy very much so seeing positive portrayals of characters with faith. I think that like brings me back to my family and to different people and uh, how important that stuff is to them. And so Kamala and her faith and like what she when she is in crisis. She goes to her mosque to talk to her imam, and he immediately messes with her yeah. lovingly and love, like wonderfully. It. Love that moment. It's just so real and so sweet, and I adored it. I I've loved Ms. Marvel for almost we've almost at fifty issues, I believe, total from all the series, maybe even more. But it's uh, this is one of my top issues of the entire run to date. Yeah, this was extremely lovely and wonderful to read because I feel the same way about religion. I'm not religious at all anymore. I feel, I only believe in chaos now. But seeing like this girl who was at her core still a teenage girl who's still adhering and believing in what her parents taught her, how she's been raised and going back to that, it's, it is beautiful thinking that a superhero is reaching for something even bigger than herself. Yeah, and I find that really great, uh, even if it doesn't automatically connect with who I am as a person. Yeah, I mean, just, it's weird. I was having this conversation with uh, Christine, our other editor, about, we were talking about Matt Murdock being a good Catholic boy, and how it's like, I don't believe in anything, but I love that he's a good Catholic boy. <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> I don't, would I go for a, real, a nice Catholic boy in real life? I'd probably just yell at him a lot. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right, so. With that said, we are done with our picks of the week. If you want to learn about all the books that came out this week, remember, check out Marvel's The Pull List. And um, next week, you're on your own I know. with Tucker this and is... evil producer Brandon without me I to know. guide the ship. Well, ships, both shows. So, a quick preview of The Pull List. It's just going to be about string cheese. Mm -hmm. So. You didn't get it? Because you pulled the, the cheese? The, see, I... Yeah. No, I get it, Brandon. He gets it. My uncle, Giuseppe Cheese, created string cheese. And my aunt, Melora String. <laughs> they came together. Pat, they came together and they turned this into a juggernaut. How dare you? How dare you? <sighs> With that, 
we should move on to the news section of the show. Top of the show, we talked about the biggest news of the week, which is the red carpet world premiere of Marvel Studios Infinity War. Uh, but there is so much more. We have more news because we have a website called Marvel.com and we have great things on it for you to see. And here are a few of those things. We dropped a bunch of creator interviews with this, some of the spring's upcoming books. We've got Dan Slott talking about Iron Man and Fantastic Four. Nick Spencer talking about Amazing Spider-Man, basically pick up, picking up where Dan Slott left off. Uh, Jason Aaron talking about Avengers. Jerry Duggan talking about Infinity Wars. And Matthew Rosenberg talking about Punisher number one. Yeah, that, and that that's a new uh, bit of news that was announced this week yeah. on Marvel.com. Matt coming in August. Uh, it's Matt Rosenberg and Ricardo Bucchelli. We reveal it first. And the way that... Matt talks about Frank in mm-hmm. that interview is really neat that Frank has seen that he can affect real change. And, yeah. you know, his killing, what he does actually can make a big difference when he goes after the bigger targets. And so, you know, he's back in New York. He doesn't have the war machine armor, but he's setting his sights on something bigger, some people who are bigger. Which I think is a really interesting juxtaposition because he's taking off the war machine armor that gave him powers. But... Going back to the down and dirty Frank Castle style guns and knives and probably his fists and kicks and whatnot. Biting and biting and licking and licking sneezing. Dirty looks. Yeah. And but going after bigger targets. Yeah. So it's like he's pulling it back just to go even bigger. So I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, there was a metaphor in that interview where he was basically Frank is like a shark who has tasted human blood. And someone has to put it down because now it's just going to go after that. It has that taste in its mouth. And so Frank has the taste of more dangerous prey. Uh, and it's Frank Castle against the world. I kind of, so cool. first of all, Frank Castle has tasted human blood before, <laughs> other than his own. I fully believe it. I think that would be more accidental, you know, like. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not condoning the thought of Frank Castle as cannibal. That's just me. I wouldn't put ripping off someone's jugular past Frank Castle. With his teeth? Maybe. But yeah, I feel like you don't even have to compare Frank Castle to a shark. I feel like we should just start calling sharks Frank Castle. Mm, That's good. Like Frank Castle Week. (laughs) Guys, are you tuning into Frank Castle Week? Oh, it's going to be crazy. I'd watch that. I would totally watch that. Um, Would you pound it, though? I would pound the crap out of Frank Castle Week. (laughs) Uh, We also had a uh, Lana Smith did an interview with Quicksilver uh, writer Saladin Ahmed, right? Yep. We had that interview. We have a cosplay gallery from Judy Stevens from C2E2. In that C2E2 gallery, I would venture to bet there are some pictures of me getting very excited at cosplayers. Judy sent me a couple of them, but there were some great cosplay. I can't help but get excited by seeing what our fans put together and being in their presence. There was a little girl dressed up as Ms. Marvel, oh, and no. I lost my dang mind. How could you not? Yeah. Tiny cosplayers are my weakness, and I just can't. I just melt into a puddle yeah. of squealing goo, which is my superpower, by the way. Nice. Yeah. It just It's just really off-putting, and it frightens people. It works every time. We also have a set visit by our own Eric Goldman for Legion on FX, which features an interview with Bill Irwin and Carrie Mid-Thunder. And we also have this week's Marvel's Eat the Universe recipe, which has a tongue in it. Why does it have a tongue in it? Because we are celebrating Venom's 30th anniversary. Real talk, one of my favorite kinds of taco is lengua, which is tongue. It is delicious when cooked right. Really? Yeah. Does it feel like you're kissing it? Yeah. Just making out with a cow. Just licking it? Yep. La, 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 la. It's a very 
affectionate cow. Yes. On the games front, uh, there's a ton of Avengers Infinity War games content coming across all the games. Uh, the full list of events and happenings is on Marvel.com, but I'm super psyched for Strike Force. That's sweet, sweet Thanos. He's coming in there uh, along with Vision, Star-Lord, Loki, and Doctor Strange. I know a lot of you listeners have checked out Marvel Strike Force because we talked about it on the show, and now we're getting more characters and more stuff. It's, it's hype. It's lit. Another bit of games news, uh, just overall, Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, there's a ton of content. Our, our friends at Game Informer, they have been putting out some really cool behind-the-scenes and exploratory content on their website, on their magazine, and their apps. Bill Roseman and the rest of the crew have been hyping it up, but it's they've been doing a lot of stuff. And there was more revelations for Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 this week. Titan Books is publishing two, count them, two books in conjunction with the game's release for PlayStation 4. Marvel's Spider-Man Hostile Takeover, written by David Liss, who back in the day did some uh, really neat Black Panther comics, including Black Panther, The Man Without Fear storyline with artist Francesco Francavilla, which is so good. Francesco, he does Mondo posters, just beautiful art, and he's doing some other comic stuff, but whenever he does stuff for Marvel, it makes me happy. His run on Black Panther with David List was really, really good. David also did some Mystery Men books for us, so he's definitely like a great guy to write this story for Spider-Man. And Hostile Takeover actually leads right into the beginning of the game's story. It tells a bit about Kingpin's plans for New York City. Bonus, it includes the character Blood Spider, which is just it's one of those things that warms my my 90s comic fan heart. His costume in the comics is like a mix of the black suit, symbiote-type Spider-Man with a version of the red mask. It's like the red mask except for where the mouth is. It's, it's really weird. And then he has some hoses on his arms that go into a thing on his back. It is very 90s. I absolutely love it. Uh, the 90s the, uh, were a weird time for everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wore Jinkos. Who great. didn't? Yeah. The other book that is coming out is Marvel Spider-Man, The Art of the Game, written by Paul Davies, which has tons of art, uh, you guessed it, from the game. Uh, Hostile Takeover will hit shelves on August 21st, and The Art of the Game comes out September 11th, just a few days after the game releases, so you don't get spoiled because it's going to have a lot of cool art in that book. So I'm excited. Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. Whew, a lot of things happening. I'm just thinking about Jenko jeans again. Right? You could fit entire families in yeah. those jeans. Yeah. My like first girlfriend, the openings on the bottom of the jeans weren't big enough. So she ended up sewing, like opening them up and sewing them larger. So they were like five foot. They're like openings. hula hoops. Yeah, essentially. It was oh crazy. Goodness. Yeah, that she... is out of control and so very beautifully DIY 90s. Yeah, it was wonderful. She got Bless her first her. tattoo at a hardcore show we went to when we were 16. And that was definitely illegal. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. But that's, you know, if your first tattoo was legal, you don't have a story to tell. Yeah. I know I don't. Yeah, me neither. Totally legal. Yep. Totally boring. Yep. Still there. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, speaking of still there. Nope, that's not a, that would just be a weird segue. <laughs> so this week we've got an interview for you. It's with our friend Andrew W.K. Uh, this one we recorded a little while back. But hold on to it for just the right time. And then now is the time. A.W.K. wore them sunglasses. Looking awesome. Back in the day, I think we talk about this in the interview. Back in the day, we did a special episode of Marvel Superheroes What The, which is our stop motion animation show, to one of his songs. And it was... We had like a bunch of evil characters coming together and they built something to party hard and they built 
him. And so it's a mix of stop motion animation and real life Andrew WK interacting and our characters like singing along to his song. That's so cool. And it, it, the video, you can find it on Marvel's YouTube. Uh, maybe we could put a link in the, the, the article and in the show notes because I think it just brings me joy every time I see it. A little spoiler for it. It gets broken up by Captain America. The party gets broken up by Cap. Oh, uh, what a killjoy. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. <laughs> so this interview makes me happy. Andrew is a cool dude, and he does some really good stuff for people. We'll dig into that in the interview. Check it out now. Yeah, buddy, it's good to see you. Good to be back and partying here at Marvel. I'm very impressed with this beautiful space, this realm. You know, we've uh, we've, we've classed it up a little bit. It's been, gosh, it's been a couple years since we've had you here at Marvel and a couple years since we did our first sort of fun collaboration together. Yes. Uh, we did a fun episode of Marvel Superheroes What The, the sort of lost episode for your song, uh, We Party, You Shout. Yes. And that was memory. so fun. Well, thank you. I was... Obviously blown away by the opportunity, but even more blown away by the amount of work and painstaking <laughs> effort that went into the stop motion animation that you guys created for that. So uh, it was a special, unique high point for me. And uh, I still f- am processing the grandeur of that video. And, and just getting to be part of the Mar- Marvel Universe in any capacity, that definitely counts as partying. Yes. I think the end of the video is one of my favorite parts because Captain America tells you to stop partying. And you get you have this like sad dog face being told to stop partying by Captain America. Well, Deny. You, you guys did a great job. <laughs> Crushed it. Nailed it. Yes. Um, but you're also the king of partying. I mean, did you get a coronation? Was there a crown? How do you become the king of partying? And how do you spend your days? Well, some could say it's self-proclamation. But I say the party gods told me to say that I was the king of partying. So they gave me the title themselves, but no one else could hear them give it to me except myself. If you believe it, then that's all that matters, Ryan. Yes, I do. We are recording this today, the release day for your brand new record. First, You're Not Alone is the first record in 10 years. Is that true? Depending how you look at it, one way or another, it's many, many years. <laughs> so obviously, there's a lot of partying talk on the album. And there's also a lot of positivity and, and talk about self-worth and really cool messages within the album. How did, what, what were you thinking about when you were putting the record together? I wasn't thinking about very much except partying as hard as possible, trying to get that across in audio form. And then, as I said, serving the party gods. And I really do mean that in that because the album was such a long process, I didn't go into it with a theme beyond partying. I didn't go into it with a a special message beyond partying and tried to just follow intuition and instinct. And I imagine anyone who works in the creative field is actually much like reading a story that you just happen to be involved in writing, but it's being written to you more than you are writing it. And when you follow instinct, that's the kind of stuff that happens. So to be honest, there are things about the songs or things about the album that I never even realized that are very specific, that seem very intentional, but I can't take credit for them. Part of me would like to say, oh yeah, this was all very carefully planned and it was all pre-designed, but I make it up like anybody as I go along. Hmm. Well, look, I was listening to it and uh, there's this, I don't want to call it a spoken word track, but it's just sort of yeah, a, motivational speeches. Yeah. Three of them on the album. And those were great. They like oh, warmed you. my heart and they, people need wow. to hear that positivity. Sometimes I think thank some you. of our, our listeners, fans, friends, family members take for granted, you know, the love that they get, the love that they share. Mm. Not everyone gets that all the time. It's a good point. And even if you do get it, doubling it 
doesn't hurt, you know, and reasserting the good vibes, uh, it doesn't hurt. It, how could it? Yeah. You know, good can only add to good. So thank you for acknowledging that and encouraging it. Those tracks, actually, those, those in a strange way, even though they were the simplest tracks to record, it's just me talking much like we're doing now. Those were the most challenging in a strange way and the most torturous for me because they were so exposed and I had a lot of doubts uh, whether this was a good idea or not. So thanks for the uh, positive reinforcement, Ryan. Yeah, totally. Uh, you did a 50-state power of partying tour? Yes, a lecture tour. Much like the motivational speaking yeah. tracks, these were live event versions about an hour to two hours long. On any of your musical tours, have you ever done that 50-state journey or is this the first time? Because that's a, that's a, you know, you say that, but I think a lot of people don't understand how huge an undertaking that was. can be. And we didn't think about that too much before <laughs> we planned it. Because if we had really thought through, we probably would have talked ourselves or thought ourselves right out of it. We had definitely been to every state or I had been to every state in some capacity over all these years. But never, as you said, back to back on one tour. And certainly not on a tour of talking about the party of spirit. I've done lectures, but they were usually one-offs, oftentimes at colleges, universities, sometimes at, at business events, things like that. But to take it uh, into traditional venues uh, and across the whole country, that was in 2016, I guess. I'm still processing it. You know, I'm still processing <laughs> everything. It's all a, a vortex of adventure that I'm still trying to unfold. And, and I probably will be doing so for many lifetimes. I think that that's sort of like, life though right like it is you know you go through these experiences and you you do all these things you meet all these people and it's you know two days later two months later two years later you you get hit by oh man remember that that actually like, happened yeah yeah because yeah, you're doing so much living in the midst of trying to process the living you've already done you know sometimes right i think actually and i've said this before but it really occurs to me in, in the way we're talking about it now sometimes when you get down right and you just feel this, what we might call sadness, but it's just sort of a, a come down. And it could happen out of nowhere. It can happen in a, in a moment that's very unexpected, could last for a full day or two. It could happen even after a great event or even in the midst of greatness. And you could be very confused as to why do I not feel very good right now? Things are, are going well. I think that's a soul hangover. And it's your soul saying, look, I need to take a huge breath and process all the life that I just lived through and incorporate it into my being. So just give me a second. I'm going to tone things down. I'm going to shut things down. I'm going to tamp down the emotional intensity. And it may feel melancholy, but that's just me. Just like if you exercise or if you go to a concert and the next day your neck is sore from headbanging, your calves are sore from jumping. It's not that you're, something's wrong. Your body's recovering from having been exercised. And I think your soul has to recover sometimes too. So, so basically be patient with yourself. You know, If you feel a little down, maybe it's just your body trying to recover from all the awesomeness. I love that. That makes me happy. Oh, thank you. How did you come to be named Person of the Year by the American Association of suicidology that is a great question and you know i would like to have you ask them first this is a real impressive organization yeah. and that's why i'm so blown away by this recognition i'm still processing this this just happened a few days ago yeah it's a good question because there's so many people that are worthy of recognition especially in the field of medicine in the, in the field of psychiatry and psychology you know mental health professionals of which i am not <laughs> So for them, most of the people that work in this organization, they've been around since 1967, I think, are trained professionals in studying the human mind and its aptitude for despair. 
Now, I've experienced that and studied it firsthand, being a human being who's alive and, you know, who's had almost, I think, a natural aptitude for negative emotions, but I never made it into a profession beyond rock music. But I could see them easily giving that award to Marvel Comics or a comic book artist because this is bringing such meaning and joy to the world. And really, this award they gave me, it really, I think, is to acknowledge the power of music specifically because music, I think, no matter how someone tries to use it or even if they tried to corrupt it with sinister intent, music is an inherent absolute good. It's one of the few, if not even the only absolute goods in this world, at least the one that I cannot pick apart or find any cynical angle to doubt. It is a pure good feeling. And that's what the award is for. It's to acknowledge the power of music to lift people out of of darkness. Yes. When I read that, you got this award. I was like, yeah, no, this makes sense to me because of the partying, the positivity, the message, the joy you bring to people and the way you can lift someone up. Um, So kudos to you. Congratulations. I think it's really wonderful. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. I want to talk a little bit of Marvel stuff. If you could party with any Marvel character, who would you party with? I feel like I could have a good party with just about any of these legendary characters. Yeah, I have a couple. Okay. Um, The Hulk. He's big. He's full of rage sometimes, but yeah. he's he's a big dude. He could stomp around, jam, you know, jump. And- <laughs> well, yeah, he could turn uh, any even a concrete place into like a bouncy castle, um, <laughs> for better or worse. You know, much to the dismay of the owners of that property. I relate to him. I relate to that that feeling of rage. That that's actually what I do these days. If I lose my composure, hopefully in private. Even walking in here, I had some little twist of news that kind of shook me. And I just wanted to tense every muscle. And somehow that's what I think is happening to him. He's reaching this place of such explosive energy. It goes beyond emotion. Yeah. And rage is sort of a, a beyond emotion because it's not connected to something rational, right? It's an irrational type of anger. But at the same time, it's so relatable. We've all felt that. That's why the Hulk is such a great character. We really can relate to him. Maybe not to that extreme. <laughs> Hopefully not to that extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Squirrel girl. She So she eats nuts. Okay. She kicks butts. Okay. And she literally hangs out with squirrels. She's got a squirrel friend named Tippy Toe. So, and she's got squirrel friends. She talks to squirrels. She is amazing. Well, I love squirrels. Uh, growing up in Michigan, I think there's a special genetic mutation that happened in I don't know if it's just southeast Michigan or maybe it's all of the Midwest but specifically in Michigan the squirrels get very very large um, the size of a cat and very puffy and chubby very well fed I, I don't know if there's an abundance of, of acorns around or it's just their metabolism um, they look so health, healthy glossy coats big bushy tail bright eyes and just padding around without a care in the world they even they have to amble rather slowly we're used to seeing squirrels kind of dart with a chipmunk kind of you know fidgety energy these things have to tumble around because they're so rounded and and really of course just like a cat i just want to scoop them up pet them feel their tail cuddle them but they are vicious <laughs> i want to tell uh ryan north and erica henderson who do our squirrel girl book that they need to set a story in Michigan, in the Midwest. I want these fat, chubby, awesome squirrels in the book. Yeah, maybe they could recognize them as a special breed that have special, unique powers, even if it's just to comfort other squirrels, like they're cuddly. I love it. Andrew, thank you for coming by Marvel. Uh, thank you, Ryan. The The new record, You're Not Alone, 
is out now. It's out. Available everywhere. Go buy the record. There's a cool vinyl version, right? There is, yes. Uh, vinyl version. You can stream it. You can check out tracks. Literally everywhere. Music is, is everywhere. It's permeated every aspect of the atmosphere now. Yeah. Are, are you going on tour or anything? Where can fans yeah, find you? Tour dates and uh, events of all sorts and varieties. And they can all, of course, be found at andrewwk.com. That's www.andrewwk.com. Time for our community segment. We are going to get your tweets and comments. Use the hashtag this week in Marvel on Twitter. Send them to us, or you can use the email. We've got a great email in here. I'll get to it at the end. But first up is Chadwick. He says, I love this astonishing X-Men roster. Beast, Havoc, Dazzler, Warpath, and Colossus. And that is in reference to last week. We had the announcement of Matt Rosenberg and Greg Land coming on Astonishing X-Men and doing that cool new book. It's real good. So next is Jim Radloff. He says, excited about the new multiple man story mentioned on This Week in Marvel. I was frustrated when he died during Death of X since the last time I remembered he was declared to not actually be a mutant. It's comics, Jim. Things happen. Mutant, not mutant, you know, person, alien, scroll, this, that. I'm with the thought that he's a mutant and he died and he's coming back. Because comics. 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 Next is Juan Chango Wences, who says, I am so freaking excited to see Dazzler making her return to an X-Men. I literally just purchased all of her comics on Comixology to get ready for her return. Heck yeah. Who would not be excited about Dazzler? Fools. People with stone hearts. Yeah. We love Dazzler. She's the disco queen. Uh, Raph A.B. says, OMG. Brooklyn Nine-Nine used the phrase bone zone in the last episode. I laughed so hard. So, Jamie, we have always referred to, you know, sexual relations in the comics as going to the bone zone. Okay. Which I completely stole from Jason Manzoukas. Which Uh, is, you know, if he's okay with that, I think. I don't know if he's okay with it. I mean, I... I'll probably see him sometime this year. I feel like I he'll be tell okay him. with it. As long as yeah. we give him credit. Yeah. Which we're doing right now. Yeah. I would say go listen to How Did This Get Made? Because it's a great show. All right. We got a couple up here from Simon Williams. He says, listening to This Week in Marvel number 337, Tucker Marcus not going to be on the show anymore. That's too bad. He was starting to grow on me. Well, at least we still have Marvel's The Polis. That is true, Simon. You're going to get your milk talk. You're going to get your weird Tucker bits every week. Without fail, unless he's not here, which could totally happen, on Marvel's The Pull List. And then you get Jamie here on This Week at Marvel. Yeah, and also Tucker's coming back next week, so he wasn't gone for very long. Yeah, exactly. Simon says, reading Domino number one, her new door, her new dog. Her new dog? Her new dog. Her new dog sort of reminds me of Iggy from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Hopefully, Pip will actually be likable as opposed to Iggy. So are you telling me there's a cute dog in anime who's not cute? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who is this Iggy? And finally, the tech lord who says, new theme, new host. It's a new age at This Week in Marvel. I'm only 90 seconds into the podcast, and I love it already. Thank you, tech lord. Next, he says, question of the week. The idea of Beast as a leader is my favorite part, but which Beast? Ape-faced Kelsey Grammer would be my favorite, or Goat-faced? I learned to love Goat-beast. I'm trying to think of Cat-beast. I love Cat-beast. But yeah, Ape-beast, I think, is is everybody's go-to favorite, just because he was... That was what he was for such a long time. Yeah, that's like the face I think of when I think of Beast is a sort of ape face. Yeah. 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 And finally, Tech Lord's last tweet. Per this week in Marvel's recommendation, I got a chance to read Marvel Champions number 19 to Inara, who is nine, and Majel as their bedtime story tonight. Inara says it was pretty good. Majel loved it. By the way, Agent M, 
Mr. Ryan, we pronounce Magellis Magell like majestic. I say it like a slow southerner who just had his hair products stolen. Hey, that's Magell. Hey, that's Magell. That's Magell. That's Magell. It's shake and bake, and I helped. Uh, I love it. Thank you for introducing the girls to Champions. I hope you guys like more. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I've been giving out recommendations left and right lately, and it makes me so happy. Oh, also, Magella is five. I didn't mention that, but she is five. Yeah. All right, one email this week. It comes in from Ralph Jackson. I'm going to read uh, snippets of it because it's a long one, and it's great, and it's addressed to me. He says, hi, Quackenbush Ryan and Crinkly Tucker. I'm a longtime Marvel comic collector. Boy, am I glad I plugged into your podcast at the start of 2018. I absolutely love the episode with Dan Slott discussing the new Fantastic Four magazine. I gotta say, when someone says comics mag, that makes me so happy because that was the way we just we like talked about them. Like that's just the lingo. It's like a comics mag, Fantastic Four mag. It, that's that's it. Ralph, that's old school talk. I like it. He says I listened twice and laughed twice. Wait, so you laughed? <laughs> Two total times over two <laughs> listens to the show. We don't know if that's an endorsement, man. Yeah. What does that mean? I, I got to know those jokes. He goes on. There's a lot more in this email. And he does uh, ask us a little bit about, you know, how we talk about some of the books and, and you know, the, the praise and, you know, if there's different ways we can couch like, hey, like a tiered system. But we're not a critical show. It's all about like the love and the excitement that we have. And, and generally, we just look at, finding the positives in the books. Yeah. You know, I there's always something cool that I can find in our books, whether it's the art, the the stories, the characters, the writers, the creators, something is always going to pop out to me, and that's what I'm going to talk about, and that's what gets me excited every week. Yeah, we want you to hear the good stuff because people complain too much. Yeah, there's other places to hear your complaints, but yeah. we like... Like, like fun. We like excitement and if positives. You, if you want to hear people complain, take public transportation. Oh, no. Don't tell anyone to take public transport. It's but terrible. That, that's a really good outlet if you're going to complain. Come here to listen to people be really psyched about all the awesome stuff Marvel has to offer. And uh, leave your complaint into public transportation. <laughs> like uh, I did. Like I heard this morning. Oh, boy. You don't want to know. No. Uh, Ralph, thank you for the email. It was awesome. And so anyone else who wants to email us, use the email twimpodcast at marvel.com. And you can also remember, tweet using the hashtag this week in Marvel on the Twitter. We'll get them to you. So our question of the week is, in light of Ms. Marvel's big first smooch, would you rather have your first smooch with a cute superhero? Or your longtime friend who's maybe also a crush. Oh, God, superhero. That was quick. Easy answer for me. Yeah? Well, because there's a lot less awkwardness when it's someone who's probably just going to run away. (laughs) Ooh. You're just (laughs) dealing. But this is a superhero, a paragon of justice and goodness in the world. I know. And I'm a really good kisser, so I think he can handle it. (laughs) So, but I think when you've got a longtime friend, there's so much baggage there and it changes the relationship. And I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. So bring on the superhero who's going to be kind of like a long distance deal. Fair. And then we'll just like have our downtime. And then when he's, you know, like, oh, eh, hard fight today. Want to smooch? Then we then we smooch. You know what? You're right. Yeah. I agree. See? But we want to hear what you guys think. Uh, let us know. That's our question of the week. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Uh, you guys are going to talk about that next week. I want to hear who you guys want to make out with. I am so curious. Uh, all right. That is our show for the week. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Evil Producer Brandon. Thank Thanks, you, Tucker. Man. Ghost Tucker. He's like a Star Wars Force ghost now. No. Just standing in the background drinking milk. That's the vision that I want for everyone to have when they finish the show. Actually, he's been here the whole time as a hologram, drinking milk in the corner. 
This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.